I'm Naira. I'm Ellie. I'm Nina. I'm Joanna. This is Politics Under the Microscope, where we explore issues that matter to you by connecting science, policy, and society. Hello and welcome back to Politics Under the Microscope. This is Naira, and in this pop-up episode, we continue interviewing March for Sciences Dr. Ingrid Paredes and Gianna White, this time specifically focusing on open access of scientific information, a key pillar of March for Sciences' mission statement. One question that I had pertaining to this open access, this, this idea that making scientific information readily available to the public, which I think is, which is very important. One thing about this, though, that I think has been a little bit, I don't know if I would say controversial per se, but has fostered a lot of discussion is the fact that this open access policy has been um, has been implemented in, in certain research spheres. And so for those listeners that are not already aware, HHMI or the Howard Heats Medical Institute is a philanthropic organization that funds and supports a lot of high powered, uh, high profile labs. And this open access policy means that HHMI investigators have to make all of their research uh, publicly available as soon as it's published. And what a lot of very high profile journals such as Cell, Nature, Science, and their sister journals like Nature Cell Biology, Cell Stem Cell, etc. They require um, a $10,000 fee in order to publish in these journals. And, and a lot of times with academia and academic research specifically, there is a lot of incentive to publish in these high these high profile journals. And so my question is, this fee is ultimately paid by the HMI investigators. And so my question for you guys as advocates of accessible scientific information so that the public is able to access, obviously, scientific information, who is responsible for making scientific information readily accessible? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll put it simply first and then I'll kind of explain. But I think it does fall on everyone, but the burden right now that it falls onto principal investigators when that money could be well spent on graduate student salaries or lab supplies, all of these things isn't sustainable. And it's not the way to go. I think to me, like academic publishing is just unfortunately profiting <laughs> way too much at the hands of like these of us, right? As those folks who are doing the work whether you're an investigator or graduate student. And while it's it's great to see, like even you might've seen that Biden announced that all of government funded research has to go open access by 2026. I'm like very curious to see what, like how these journals will respond because it's going to really dramatically change the way that we have to approach publishing and peer review in general, especially for early career scientists, as you said, like where publishing in these journals can really make or break a career. And I think that's where there needs to be some culture shift. And I think where a lot of younger scientists and groups are looking towards where the priority on these things when it comes to like tenure review or postdoc applications needs to be a bit more holistic, where things like blogs, things like community outreach, things like teaching don't have as much priority as like, you know, that one cell or like one nature paper might have. And I think that really needs to come one from the bottom up of, you know, changing the narrative of like, these are the ways we're engaging with our community, but from the top down as well, whether it's administration from the universities who have, you know, I mean, frankly, the endowments to help front the cost of these things, but also from government agencies who are increasingly making these decisions to make science less accessible to the people who want to do it. 
um, themselves. The short answer, everyone, but more so, of course, those, you know, the powers that be need to really make it so that it's done equitably. But yeah, I, I agree. I think the idea that putting the burden on the PIs really is unsustainable because this creates a pretty strong disincentive to publish in these journals as well. And so this could be almost at the expense, right, of trainees and of students if their paper is like worthy enough for like, let's say, to be in cell nature science, their PI perhaps is not super, super well-funded and then they can't, they can't publish there. And so really this leads to a lot of inequity, like you mentioned. So my question also is when I think about these fees and who should be fronting the costs, I kind of think, well, who is getting money from publishing? And I was just wondering what you guys think of, because I think when I think of journals and I'm reading an, an academic journal, I see ads from different biotech companies. Yeah, it's not the peer editors. It, like, exactly. Not the it's like spending more time reading articles. Exactly. And like <laughs> the peer review process is free, right? Like the reviewers don't get paid, do they, to, to review academic? No, no, they don't get paid. No, they don't get paid. And so who is, who is getting the money? Like where is the money going? So the journal, the PI, and the government are not the only players involved. It's also the private the private sector. And so my question, I just wanted to see if you guys had any comments on on the private sector's role, because a lot of these biotech companies, I think, are actually quite wealthy. Maybe I need to fact check this, um, but I wanted to know you guys' thoughts on um, this extra player that I think sometimes we forget when we have this kind of debate. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, I mean, the first thing they could do is just pay editors. Peer review would go much more smoothly. People would take it more seriously. And that's also an opportunity for folks like graduate students, postdocs, who oftentimes do take per participate in peer review kind of, you know, off the record in a way to get valuable experience and participate in the conversation. And then just, yeah, the ads. I just like, <laughs> when we scroll into science, it's just so clear what's going on. But Gianna? Yeah, I agree with Ingrid and... I guess, uh, like she was saying earlier, this is a, mainly like a structural issue. So shifting the culture around this, you know, sector would go a long way. And to your point also, Ellie, I think there are like sometimes players in, you know, any sort of work that we forget about who are also probably like maybe the main cause of what's going on. So I think just going forward, it, would go a long way to like have open discussions about this like we're doing now so great work already everyone and you know the more you talk about something the more prominent it becomes and hopefully we can start to see culture shifts around this too soon and uh, going forward you know open access that is open but doesn't you know burden any one group or individual Exactly. And I think also another point that we can make is that there are certain journals like eLife, for example, that already open access and they don't charge. They have a very low fee, I think. I think it's like 3000 in comparison to, to 10000 And it just makes me wonder if these, you know, high profile journals are leveraging their high impact factor to, to do this, which just doesn't seem right to me. I feel like I'm going to do a deep dive on this later. Just like, what is $10,000 like buying me with this PDF? Like I said, I know. <laughs> like, 
Wow, because you're exactly right. Like there are other journals that have done this for for years already, but and they're sustained. Yeah. Like there's yeah. kind of real. So, yeah. Very passionate about this issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joanna. Um, it's Joanna speaking. Sorry, so we can we record. Um. Wait, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say, like, do you think there are any kinds of policies that can actually regulate these private publishing companies? Because like eLife, I think, started out like with the intent to be open access, like even the peer reviewer comments are like available for any kind of readers to read. And now it's considered to be like a pretty reputable journal. And so I'm thinking like one with these kinds of journals like slowly replace like the big three cell science nature and two is there a way for the government or for i don't know like like actually like funding agencies to put a cap on how much publishing companies can actually charge scientists because what never like really made sense about the system to me is is that you get like funding from the government to do your research and you use taxpayer money to like then pay private publishing companies to make that research accessible to the taxpayer like yeah it's right oof yeah i use this example all the time in my classes where like when i'm on campus internet i can access you know my work through campus internet when i go home like let's pretend i don't have the word doc and figures on my own computer if i were to go on to like the publisher's website just pay 50 bucks to pay for work that's funded by DOE, just like you're saying, like this government-funded work. And I, I don't know what policies are out there, but I will say, I mean, if they're able to cap, you know, graduate student wages the way they do, then there should be also ways that they can cap these like private entities. So I, I don't know, but I, I'd be like pressed to find out. Like I feel like this is going to be like the rest of my evening. <laughs> I'd never heard of a cap being proposed, but it's definitely something I'm going to look into now. And I don't know if government regulation is the way to go, but I do think we does need to be some form of regulation if we're going to continue operating under the same like economic structure and sort of just generally trying to shift the way that open access is done. And maybe, you know, research has maybe needs a bit of a, a culture shift, but that, that's another discussion. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you guys for all of your input. I think when we wanted to interview March for Science, we were really interested, especially in this open access, making scientific information more accessible and the fact that you guys communicate and interface a lot with normal everyday people, but also council members really lends you guys a very unique and valuable perspective. Thank you to March for Science for this pop-up interview focusing on open access policies regarding the publication of scientific information. Don't forget to catch the first part of this interview wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in next time for our interview with Guardians of the Forest, where we discuss the specific advocacy efforts of indigenous communities in Brazil.